The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another, and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. (laughs) You are listening to the Burroughs of Berea. Well, welcome back to the Burroughs of Berea. I am Rick Welch, and to my left is Billy Eye Candy Kimsey. Like a starburst, share something juicy. (laughs) Well, at least you got a new candy. That's good. (laughs) Ah, the Rickening. Carter. (laughs) Doesn't he sound like the Kool-Aid guy? Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Uh, Yeah. Straight out of Compton, Ralph Hicks. Represent. Behind the glass, Rocket Man, Andy Bishop. (laughs) Sarita the Edge, Edgerton. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) I always sit like terrified of (laughs) how loud he's going to get. (laughs) Like legitimately, I'm always like terrified of how loud you're going to (laughs) be. Cherry, the Annihilator, Lewis. Hello. Hey. (laughs) Well, it's nice to be back. Isn't it? It's been a while since I gave you guys that super spreader of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I tell was us, every, Sarita. Literally everybody sick. What did I do to you, Sarita? Tell. Walking pneumonia. <laughs> Three weeks of walking pneumonia. That's awful. Mm, I'm so sorry. And still coughing. I think still get, coughing. I think it gave me COVID because we, we right after we were here last time, my whole family got COVID. Yeah, when it, you know it was really funny because it. it I tested and it wasn't. It was negative. I don't test, so. right? So therefore, you've never had COVID. <laughs> you never, yeah. And so, <laughs> so, but I was negative, and and I guess you can get a false negative from some of those little at home tests. I assume because yes, I had. Please this, take the ones the government yeah. sent you because they're really good. On oh them. well, it I is, bought this is, one. It is true though. False I, when I had COVID, I like described to our drummer the symptoms, and he works at a nursing home, and I was like, but I took. Look at one of those PCR tests, and uh, and he was like, "Oh, just just give it a couple of days and take it again. Trust yeah. me, you have COVID." And guess what? He was right, and it was pretty yeah. much the same symptoms as this recently was. But I didn't test this last time either, so I'm with Sarita. I didn't have COVID. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I guess Sarita sent me a text today, and she was like, "Did you see what Ken Gentry put on his page about Gary Namar today?" And I was like, "Nope." And I went and looked at it. I was like, "Oh, okay. It's the same thing. It's the questions." But they sent out the letter in public today. They are really busting his chops about these three questions. And so I'm super excited about my guest that's going to be here today, Dr. John Noe. Yeah, (laughs) that was Rick Carter there. Um, Dr. John Noe, let me tell you guys a little bit about him. He is a conservative evangelical scholar and theologian who holds an earned PhD in theology. He's president of the Prophecy Reformation Institute and a 26-year member of the Evangelical Theological Society, where he has presented 17 theological papers and been published in its prestigious academic journal, the Journal of the Evangelical Theological Society. He's also a motivator, peak performer, world mountain climber, and an inspiration. He has written two best-selling personal development and motivational books— They are 
peak performance principles for high achievers. This guy actually, I love the titles. Like I had a conversation with him one day just about titling the book. He really puts a lot of thought into these and he's great at titling his books. Um, Revised edition 06, Berkeley 86 and People Power, uh, published by Thomas Nelson 86 and Berkeley in 88. During the 80s and 90s, Peak Performance Principles was featured in Amway's top 10 recommended books. Additionally, the Amway Corporation purchased 25,000 copies to give to their employees and marketing associates. That's pretty impressive, you know. So, Dr. John Noe, thank you for being on our program. Hell yes. Yes. What was that? Was That, that was the title of one of his books. Hell yes. yes. Hell yes, hell no. Oh, <laughs> Sorry about that. Thanks for being on the show, Dr. Noe. I'm delighted to be here with you guys. Yeah, we've we've spoke on the phone and and I, and, and lady. That's Why? right. Ladies. Two ladies. <laughs> yes, we have a third one, but she's not here right now. So um I was introduced to you through Bill Evans, the truck driver theologian. You guys remember him? Oh yeah. And you remember, I don't, if you guys know Bill, Bill, when he actually gives a descriptor of what he believes, he says that he's a uh, reformed idealist. Reformed preterist. Reformed preterist idealist. idealist isn't that correct? How do, <laughs> anyway, when I, I think you're going to find when we talk to Dr. Noe why Bill Evans calls himself that. I think that's, that's going to appear as we talk today. Because Dr. Noe has done a lot of work especially in eschatology. And his eschatology is interesting. It's not full preterism, am I correct? It is a synthesis of, how would you say that, Dr. Noe? It is full preterism. Oh, it is. Plus. Plus. (laughs) Preterism plus. The plot thickens. (laughs) (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, and we will definitely get into that later, okay? And so... What I would like to do is, uh, every guest that we have on our testimony series, we ask this question. Can you tell us the earliest memory that you have of when you heard the name Jesus Christ? Uh, well, why didn't you give me some advance notice on that? <laughs> guess what? That's the only question that I ask. You I don't know, give I advance have, notice. I have no idea. I I I, re- I mean that you're stump you're stumping me right out of the out of the blocks here. I Good. have no idea what the earliest memory of that is. You're okay. not you're not alone in that. A lot of people when they get asked that question are stumped. I'd say it's on the along the lines of forty percent are like I was so young that it just always existed is is not an uncommon refrain. Yeah. So sorry to stump you there. Uh, so. That usually once we somebody says, "Oh, I was ten or I was fifteen the first time that I heard it," then I ask them, "Can you tell us about your salvation experience?" Now that I can tell you about. All right. <laughs> so you want me to go there or what? Yeah, I'd love to hear your salvation experience. Oh, well, I was raised in the church. Oh wow! So uh, you know. I did all sorts of stuff in a church. We were, were we were church people. We weren't very serious, but we were church people. I got to, I in Boy Scouts. I got the God and Country Award. Does that count for salvation? <laughs> no. Oh, I'm just oh. out of curiosity. <laughs> out of curiosity, um, which uh, which branch, uh, which sect of Christianity? Oh uh, well, we've been a little bit of both. We started off Presbyterian and then uh, went into uh, the Christian Church. 
the Campbellite movement. Oh, okay. Very good. So you were raised in church. I was raised in church. Yeah. We used to help uh, usher when we were in grade school, and then we'd skip out and we'd go down to Carter's drugstore and and uh, buy a, a chocolate Coke and uh, some some crackers and then get back in there before uh, they closed so that they wouldn't know we were going. Chocolate Coke? Yeah. What is that? Do oh, tell. Man, that, that, oh, anybody there know what chocolate Cokes are? No, we're no. all shaking our heads and wondering. What uh, well, delicious. you had to go to the drugstore to get Coke. them because they put chocolate syrup in a Coke. That's a chocolate oh. Coke. Oh. It was like a soda fountain. A soda thing. fountain, soda fountain yeah. thing. Yeah, soda. Yeah, sit on a sit on a soda stool or a bar stool or whatever you want to and call the it. Soda jerk would come up and bring. He you went your to soda. a Rexall yeah. drugs, y'all. That's yeah. what that's called here. Rexall. That's back when they. That's back when they cost a nickel. Yeah. Yes. Oh, wow. A nickel. I was going to ask when that was. Yeah. That my that, mom used to tell that very similar story, except hers was a vanilla Coke. Oh, okay. Oh, I, that's good too. I had cherry. Yeah. Yeah. That's good, too. <laughs> <laughs> he approves of all, all the coats. Agreement. All the coats. Well, my daddy's from Oklahoma, and they had a counter there that we used to go to. And he said, give him one of them cherry Cokes, because he likes that uh, Roy Rogers. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh. you, so you were raised in church, and then uh, about what age were you when, when you had your salvation experience? Oh, well, that, was, that wasn't the, my for sure experience you want to get, want me to talk yeah. about my for sure yeah let's experience? hear about your for sure experience all right well let's see where shall i jump in uh let's see got out of uh uh no i'll start i'll, I'll skip that uh started a company here in indiana mm -hmm. and uh started doing pretty well and then i then i realized i was really out of shape and needed to get in shape so i started jogging and running marathon, mini marathons, a full marathon. And then I decided to start climbing mountains around the world and uh, climbed, uh, oh my goodness, uh, well, the Grand Teton out in Wyoming, uh, uh, Mount Elbert in Colorado, then the Matterhorn in Switzerland. And, and then we, my wife and I went to Africa and climbed Kilimanjaro and Mount Kenya and all this kind of stuff. And during that time, uh, I was, uh, being asked to speak uh, about my mountain climbing adventures, uh, at very you know from everything from grade schools to companies to uh, co uh, conventions and and uh, and so my speaking career took off and I became a member of the National Speakers Association, the professional society of uh, 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 speakers, motivational and otherwise. And there I learned in going to their workshops that I needed a brochure. So I have been attending a Bible study with a Baptist uh, layman who is pretty well known here in, uh, in the Indiana area. And uh, I uh, asked him out for lunch because I said I had uh, some questions I wanted to ask him. And he said, sure. So we went to Max Steakhouse at 96 Meridian Street in Indianapolis, Indiana. And I was telling him about how I you know, needed a brochure and everything. And, and one of the questions I was having is, what, what do I put on this brochure to describe myself? I said, John Noe, a businessman, uh, mountain climber, and so forth and so forth, and a Christian. I said, do you think I ought to put in a Christian on there? Because uh, you know, I'm speaking to, to not only Christian groups, but I'm speaking to business groups and other groups that are not you know, Christian organizations. And lo and behold, he did not answer my question. He just asked me a question. He said, well, are you one? And I said, 
Well, I think so. <laughs> and he said, well, would you like to know for sure? And I thought, uh, yeah, okay. And he, and, he, and he laid out the four spiritual laws uh, to me. And everybody there, are you all familiar with the four spiritual laws? Yes, sir. I am not. No. <laughs> that would be Andy, our resident atheist. Do you mind giving us those four campus, spiritual laws? Campus, Crus campus Crusade for Christ, four spiritual laws. He laid them out for me. And then at the end of it, he, he, he said, uh, he, he said, well, would you, would, would you now like to be, become a Christian? And I said, uh, well, yeah, probably. He said, uh, how about right now? I said, well, okay. The pressure so he led me in the, yeah. He led me in the sinner's prayer, and uh, I walked out of Max Steakhouse feeling like a fool. I thought, my gosh, what in the world have I done? You know? Yeah. Because I thought I was a Christian, having been raised in the church, you know, not knowing any better. And from that time on, my life took on a whole new dimension, mm. and it's just been upward and onward ever since wow. in, in many, 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 many ways. Wow. So, this, and this is, you're already married. You, you've been traveling the world, mountain climbing, and you meet this guy and it happens inside this little place in Indianapolis, this little restaurant. Uh-huh. Wow. And ab about how old were you at that point? Uh, I was in my mid-30s, wow. in that range. Wow. So, being raised in church, uh, in the Presbyterian church and in the Campbellites, at no point anyone could tell or, or would speak to you about salvation? Well, they probably did, but, you know, how much of it was I, I really hearing? Sure. Yeah. So <clears throat> you've written so many things in theology, like I just read about you. So will you take us from that point to the present? Like, I, I'm really curious how you became the John Noe of today. Well... Okay, and you can you can talk about you know the other you know your your motivational books and being on Larry King Live and uh, lots of uh, television programs and stuff throughout the course of your career. You feel free to talk about any of that. Well, we we came to uh, Indianapolis, started a company, uh, my wife and I, and we we had two children uh, at that time, real real young, and uh, we were in church, uh, and that that was before what happened before what I just, the story I just shared with you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, we, and we were attending church and then that happened. And uh, I started getting more interested in, in Christian things. And we, we changed churches. We moved out of a, a liberal Presbyterian church. We didn't even know what liberal was uh, back when we were involved with it. We just know that they had nice, nice uh, fellowship. And we were head of uh, uh, the, the uh, uh, young adults group. So we were very active and involved there, but uh, we started finding uh, problems with it because of their liberal stance. And again, we didn't even know what liberal conservative was all about, so uh, let alone those terms. And we moved to a more evangelical church here in Indianapolis. And uh, lo and behold, I started, uh, they started asking me to speak there on a number of topics, they asked me to lead a Sunday school class, which I started to lead and, and we called it PSA. Stands for Positive Spiritual Attitude. How about that? Hey. <laughs> That's a, another good title. ESA, Positive Spiritual Attitude. Started teaching a number of things there, and the class started out rather small, and then then, about, then it started growing, and it got up to about 30 or 40. And, and about that time, uh, 
We heard about a guy named John Wimber. Does that name ring a bell for Say anybody? Say that again. It, you kind of cut out. What was his name? John Wimber. John Wimber. No. 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 Nope. Uh, no. Nope. He, he was a charismatic, and I don't know if he was Pentecostal or not, but charismatic. That and he was help. holding, and he was holding a conference up in uh, Michigan. I think it was in Ann Arbor. Yes, it was Ann Arbor, Michigan on the topic of the kingdom of God. Now, I had not heard very much, if anything at all, during all my various travels throughout Christian circles up to that time, about the kingdom of God. But he was saying that it, this is a central teaching of Jesus Christ. Well, it wasn't the central teaching of any of the churches I was attending, and I had heard nothing of it. So we decided that we were going to take a field trip up there, and I invited the Sunday school class to come along, and a few of them did. And we went up there to Ann Arbor, Michigan, and we heard so much about the kingdom of God that we didn't even know existed in Christianity. And I came back then and started teaching that. And the class started growing like crazy and went from, you know, a handful of us to 60, 70 uh, people were staying around after class, laying hands on each other, praying for each other, uh, doing all sorts of things. And you know what happened? What's that? The elders canceled the class. Okay, oh, so we've yeah. heard this kind of thing over and over and over. It's like things start to happen, people start changing, and the church folk just don't like it. You know? What's no, that all about? They canceled the class. And the reason was... People were, the reason stated was that people were not getting to the worship service on time because the Sunday school class was in between two worship services. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. He became a kingdom. So, so they were. <laughs> yes. And that was my first dramatic example that something is wrong with the way we practice Christianity in the in the organized church. Sure, yeah. And then they, they asked me to lead a evangelism equipping and uh, uh, equipping seminar to, to teach people how to share the gospel with somebody else. Mm -hmm. and, and I had never shared the gospel with anybody. And they wanted me, in fact, I didn't even know, I don't know if I even knew what the gospel was. And they wanted me to lead it, lead a class on this, develop it and lead it. And uh, and they said, man, if you can do your seminars on peak performance principles for high achievers and people power and, and so forth, well, you can do this. I mean, uh, so 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 I agreed and uh, went out and did research, went to some Baptist churches and who were doing some of those uh, kind of uh, activities with the evangelism equipping and and saw how they were doing and saw that they used the Campus Crusade material. So I decided to use it and uh, we developed these classes and they were phenomenal. I mean, phenomenal. And the, the final the, the final stage of that class was we sent people out into the neighborhoods. Hmm. And we and we would they would come back. I mean, we might have maybe 20 or 30 that would complete a, a two to three day seminar on on this. And we'd send them out then on Saturday afternoon into the neighborhoods. We'd have it all organized and everything. And they go out and, and knock on doors and 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 follow the methodology that that uh, we had trained them in. And they come back, and they were, we would we would have as many as oh I don't know twenty or thirty people that that prayed to receive Christ from mm. from there going out two by two uh, into the neighborhoods, and we must have done Rick oh I don't know over a period of uh, maybe two years, 
maybe eight or nine of these seminars. And you know what, then you know what happened? What's that? You got asked the to elders, leave the church. They canceled it. They shut it <laughs> they down. The elders canceled it because they didn't think we ought to be doing that. Wow. And that was my second dramatic example that what? something is wrong. It doesn't seem like doesn't seem like much of an evangelical church. Yeah. You know, isn't that kind of I mean that's the name, right? It's in the one would think. Well, you know, I think I think for me is the way that he's been approached. So he's he's never led anyone. He, he wasn't sure what the gospel was. He's never led anyone. And so then someone asked him to do it. To me, I see that as providence. I see God moving in your life and doing things for you. And it's almost like, forgive me, I, I don't want to sound rude when I say this, like canned, like canned Christianity. Like if you follow this procedure, then you will get results. And it seems like you actually were getting results. And which again, I think is providence. And so, but each time you come up against this wall and it's always a christian wall so is this hurting your heart when this stuff is happening well yeah of course yeah, it was sure and uh you know but i persevered and pressed on but man it was i mean we ended, we finally ended up having to leave you know sure because uh, we were uh black sheep <laughs> or whatever you want to term it yeah um, but, but you were uh, still sheep <laughs> we were still sheep. Yeah, you were goats. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, so I started writing more books, and uh, from there, and 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 uh, I wrote the Apocalypse Conspiracy book, uh, which came after my peak performance and People Power book, the Apocalypse Conspiracy. Yes. Back in '93, it. It, oh, excuse me, 91, it came out and put me on Larry King Live. I think you mentioned Larry King Live. Yes. My appearance on Larry King Live. Right in the middle of Waco. Anybody there remember the Waco oh, incident? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Sure. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I was right right in the middle of Waco before it got burned down because it lasted for several months. Sure. And I was there at, pitted against a guy by the name of Harold Camping. That that name yes, ring any bell? Yes, it sure does, especially and in the world of eschatology. Yeah, so this is this is 1993, and at that time, Camping had written a book called 1994. Yes. Guess what that's about? Yeah, end time prophecies. <laughs> that's how, how it was all going to end. That's right. In 1994, and I was I was asked to come on because of my book, The Apocalypse Conspiracy, that was published by uh, Wogamuth and Hyatt and distributed by Word, mm -hmm. and they had sent me out on a book tour and all that kind of stuff. So you know the Larry King's people had heard about me. Uh, from that. And at that time in 93, that was a heyday of, of, of Larry King. I mean, that's when he was watched by over a hundred million people live every night. Yes. And all over the world. So Did you I start selling my, some books. <laughs> so I went to my uh, good Christian friends in the churches that I aforementioned and I asked them what they should, what I should do. And what do you think they told me? Quit. <laughs> <laughs> Well, close. They told me not to go. You know why? Why? Because Larry King was not a Christian. He's Jewish. He's a secular, secular Jew. That's right. And all he wants to do is to get two Christians, you know, on uh, 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 worldwide television in front of 100 million people and discredit the cause of Christ in front of all of them. Well, and, and it's also, it brings great like ratings. That. It's good. It's good fodder for TV, right? It's good. You know, when you get people yeah. to argue, people love to watch that. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So they advised me not to go. What would you have done? 
I would have went. I would have gone. I would have gone. Yeah, like you say, it was Larry King Live in 93. There's I mean, that's a few the, larger platforms in the world at that point. Yeah, I would have went, absolutely. That's correct. That is absolutely So I went, but I was bound and determined that that was not going to happen. I would have taken Gary with me, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was quite an, quite an event. I mean, it's a big, it, it, it was his heyday. And, you know, they fly you out there, they pick you up in a limo, they take you to this nice, real old house kind of hotel in Old Town, uh, Washington, D.C., and then they pick you up again and, and take you to the studio, which at that time was in Washington, D.C., and then they take you back. And I mean, it's real nice. And uh, when you go on a show like that, they don't put you in the green room with the person you're going to be uh, opposing mm-hmm. at that time. Any idea why they would do that? Well, you want all your ideas to be fresh. You don't want them to be hashed out in the green room. You want them to be hashed out on TV. If, if it bleeds, it leaves. You gotta, so. that, <laughs> that's a great way to put it. Sparks will fly, right? Uh, young lady, you are correct. Thank you. <laughs> now, when I was in the green room, though, there was somebody else there. And I didn't know who he was. So, I, I you know, it, it, it was just he and I in the green room. So, he didn't he even hardly looking or noted, noting that I'm even existing. And so finally I initiated a conversation and I introduced myself and he says, I, you know, doesn't even kind of respond. And I, I, I say, and I tell him my name, guy, hi, I'm John Noe and it sort. And I finally say, I say, who are you? And he says, uh, Alec. Alec Baldwin. I say, Alec, Alec, who? <laughs> said, Alec Baldwin. <laughs> he didn't have a oh. gun, did he? <laughs> oh, geez. I didn't. I had. I had no idea who he was. So I said. I said, "Are you on the show? You on Larry's show?" He said, "Yes." And I said, uh, "What? What do you do?" <laughs> and and he said, I, I scream I, at I, that women. Did not, that did not ingratiate me at all. Hot for Red October out then? Had to yes. be because we saw it in high school. I saw it in high school. Yes. So yeah. Yes. Yes. It was. And you Man. didn't see that yeah. movie? Yeah, that was a breakout for him. Yes. And and that, in fact. I, I, and he said, well, I'm an actor. And I said, oh, anything I would have seen? <laughs> said, well, movies and, you know, Broadway and stuff like that. And I said, anything I would have seen? And he's, and that's what he referred to was that movie, uh, The Hunt for Red October. Oh, and I had so seen funny. that, but I, couldn't rem- but I couldn't remember him in it. I remembered Sean Connerly. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't? But, 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 but I didn't grief. remember him. So, so I, said, I said, oh, uh, that was with Sean Connerly, right? And he said, yeah. I said, and what role did you play? Well, that oh, didn't, that didn't, just you know, keep digging. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was awful. It was awful. No, that's back before he came became famous, I guess, or infamous, or whatever he is now. But uh, anyway, so 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 he went on first. He was on for half an hour, and then I was brought out and brought on with with Harold Camping. And Harold Camping, I don't know if you do. You, do you anybody there remember Harold Camping? Yeah, well, now he's passed. He's, he's passed, passed away. On. Yeah, I, but I've I've seen some of those old clips off of YouTube. Yeah. Well, he's an old codger, kind of kind of ornery, and you know, flaming dispensationalist, <laughs> and just talk, 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 and Larry just let him talk, 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 talk about how the world's going to end. You know, next year, nineteen ninety four, showed up. Showed his copy of his book, which has a big 1994 on it, and uh, and, and so forth. And I was bound and determined that I was 
wasn't going to get into a bloodbath, you know, arguing and that kind of stuff. And by the way, that was back before arguing and interrupting was popular. Oh, yeah. And acceptable mm. on TV and things like that. And so I, I guess if you did a subject uh, uh, a survey, con a content survey on, on who talked the most, I, I probably got maybe 25% and he probably got 75, really? something like that. And Larry just let him talk, talk, talk. But I got my points in. And when I get when I got back from, back from uh, uh, going to Washington D.C. and being on Larry King Live, the biggest criticism I got is, "Why didn't you let him keep talking for? Why didn't you jump in there? Why didn't you, you know, and all that stuff?" But that open that exposure on Larry King Live on that format, as some of you mentioned there, which was huge, opened up a lot of doors for me all over the country, and yeah. uh, it, it just blossomed into a lot of relationships with with some pretty big people and. And uh, open up a dumber doors for me. Yeah, and I know that um, Rick Carter, who's here in the studio, mentioned, uh, and I and you and I talked about this. You, uh, since you were talking about a movie actor, you've written a movie script, right? Eighty-seven. Yeah, I got a copy of that yeah. book when it first got published. Really, I did. Has it been turned into a movie yet? I think it's been picked up, right? Or it's on its way to being picked up? Well, I have an option purchase agreement that my attorney in L.A. and I are, are, are negotiating currently. We don't know that we're going to accept it, but we, but we have an option purchase agreement from a production company to do it. Yeah. That's exciting. Well, take it. What's the name of the <laughs> screenplay? 8070. 8070. Oh. Yeah, take it. No kind one's There's no movies about date. it. There's no movies out there about it, you know? I'd do anything just to get the film out. You see how easy I sell my soul? Did you see that? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to you, Dr. Noe. Sorry. Okay. Well, that's, you know, that, that, that's one of my experiences. Sure. And, uh, and, and then I just started writing more books and, uh, um, Oh, I'll tell you how I got involved with uh, preterism. Is that is that of interest to you? That, well, yeah, that is that's actually something I wanted to get uh, with you on because you know we've had a lot of people here that are either you know post millennial, partial preterist, m mostly full preterist, and um, so after hearing about you, I yeah, you know, show some me. of us are none of those things. Yeah, <laughs> even Andy. Even yeah. Andy. <laughs> Andy. I, I don't believe I qualify for any of those beliefs. <laughs> yeah. Me so either. tell me how you got into it. Well, it was about the same time that I was on Larry King Live. That, that's one of the doors that was open. Mm -hmm. And again, my book, uh, The Apocalypse Conspiracy, uh, published by Wilgamuth and Hyatt and distributed by Word, had come out. And they they had sent me on a on a author tour. And one of the one of the stops was uh, the the main AM radio station in Cincinnati, Ohio, that broadcast the Cincinnati Reds games. Yeah. And a noon, a noon slot, which is, it was big time. I mean, that's, that's prime stuff. And I was on for a half an hour talking about my book, The Apocalypse Conspiracy. And, uh, uh which is a precursor to my, pre I wasn't a preterist then, mm -hmm. but I was talking a lot about fulfilled stuff. And, uh, and then I was in that book. And, and when I got home, I got a call from this pastor uh, from Warren, Ohio. And, and he said, are you the John Noy that was on uh, whatever the call letters were for that radio station, which I can't remember now. Uh, last week, uh, you know, and then I was, he said, he said, my wife and I were driving through Cincinnati on the way back on I-75 or whatever it is uh, on, 
uh, the way back from Florida, and we heard this guy on the main radio station uh, in Cincinnati talking about preterism. He said, are you a preterist? And I said, uh, what's that? <laughs> that question gets people into trouble. Yeah, it sure does. What's that? I, I had never even heard the word, you know, at that time. And he said, well, yeah, that's what you were talking about. You're talking about preterism. You know, he said, past in fulfillment. You were talking about how the book of Revelation was passed in fulfillment. He said, I couldn't believe my ears. I was hearing this on AM major AM radio station and so forth. And then he told me about the church in Warren, Ohio, which is associated with Max King. Anybody there hear, yes. ever hear of Max King? Yes. Yep. And uh, and he, he says, that's, that's what we believe. We believe all this. So I got, so that hooked me up with those guys. And I started, you know, going up there to their conferences and meeting them and did that for many, many years. And, um, you know, just gleaning all I could, uh, you know, from that. And I found it fascinating, absolutely fascinating. And it just further solidified me in, in the direction that I was going. And that worked out pretty good. But like, like, like the churches uh, that I, the experiences that I mentioned to you earlier, I started asking questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Guess what happened? <laughs> they didn't like the questions. The elders don't want you to ask any questions. Got canceled. Yeah. You sure you were in a Catholic church? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and that started rubbing some of the, uh, the the main people in the Preterist movement the wrong way. And eventually I had to park company with them uh, because they, uh, um, you know, I, they, they were so focused on, on historical uh, things, you know, what, what happened in the past. Mm-hmm. And I started asking the question, well, what about today? You know, if, if all that happened back then, what do we have today? And after all, we're living in today. We're not living in back then. Well, they were living in back then, essentially. Sure. And 99.9% of what they did in their books, in their in their, in their their seminars, in their meetings, and all that stuff was all focused on what happened back in AD 70, circa. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, well, what do we have today? What do we have today? And and then and then uh, and then I started asking them. But well, what about what about all these other these comings of Jesus in the Old Testament, and then these comings of Jesus, these many comings of Jesus in the New Testament, and the many promises of many different types of comings of Jesus, you know, you know that 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 go beyond AD seventy, and that really rubbed them the wrong way mm-hmm. because they were so fixated on a first on a first coming and a second coming. And I said, but that language is never used in Scripture. Jesus' birth has never called his first coming in Scripture, and for a good reason. It wasn't. Hmm. Yeah, it does. I mean, it doesn't actually say first or second coming in the Scripture. I mean, no. In fact, yeah. what we see is but it the doesn't say the Trinity Jesus. either, right? Well, oh, yeah, that, that would be their argument. Well, it doesn't say the Trinity either. Well, what am I supposed to do? Throw this other stuff out just because it doesn't say the Trinity? <laughs> and Rapture doesn't say that either. That's true. And well, that was another issue. Mm hmm. And then some of them started saying, well, the church was raptured in AD 70. Have you heard that? I yes. have, yes. And I, I was saying, oh, wait a minute. Do you know Jesus in his prayer for all, all believers in John 17 prayed that we would not be removed from the world? Yes. John 17, I believe it's 15. I could look it up if you want me to. No, I, it's I think okay. it's 17, 17, 15, and 20, if I believe right. Uh, remember right. I think you're right. He said, I said, who do, should we believe, Jesus and his prayer for all believers? 
or the rapture people. Whether the rapture people were dispensational or amillennial or postmillennial, or most of them are just dispensational, or whether the rapture people are preterists, which which that that's a mainstay in some parts of preterism. Yes. Who should we believe? I think the rapture well, people need better PR. <laughs> I think that there's, you know, you you bring up a really good point, and I, and I, you know, if you try to talk about it, it you know, they go to First Thessalonians four and. You know they they start running through the New Testament gamut of rapture language, rapturous language. You know what I mean? Like that's what will happen. Can I ask a question? Go for it. Of all your books that you have written, what is your favorite? The one I'm currently working on. <laughs> <laughs> Best one yet. Uh, yeah, a, yeah. And what you, is that? Yeah, you have you got it fully titled it, now? It's a, it, well, I'm working on three of them. I'll give you one of them. All right. You ready? Yes. All right. See who can guess what the topic is, and I'll give you a couple of quick clues, okay? All right. It's the ultimate downer topic. Hell. No, I already, I already wrote one on that. Hell yes. Hell yes. Suffering. Yeah. Uh, you're close. Go further. Death. Yes. The ultimate it's suffering. A, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how it's viewed, right? It, it, because it's, it's it's viewed very negatively. So this my book on this topic it will be a positive motivational book on the ultimate downer topic, i.e., death and dying. So if you were going to write, I'll, I'll challenge you all there to do some. Uh, title generation here. If you're going to write a positive motivational book on the ultimate downer topic, what in the world would you title it? Oh, the Lord. best way to die. Doing death well. <laughs> oh, that's not bad. <laughs> it's a little canned, but I like it. Yeah. Um, it's got to be how about gone? How about gone with the breeze? <laughs> <laughs> I, was gonna, I was about to go with death becomes her, but <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit of a reuse. Gone with still. the breeze, huh? Or they're coming to take you away, ha. Huh? <laughs> Calgon. That's a That's good one. That's a good one. <laughs> well, what was that? I missed that. Calgon. Take me away. <laughs> oh, gosh. Remember the old uh, shampoo? <laughs> yes. Uh, well, 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 I, I, I have a number of those. Bath beats. Some of those yes. funny titles. Sure. But, uh, yeah, I've gone. To, uh, that, that's been probably my hardest book so far, my hardest book to title. And, uh, well, uh, I mean, it's. It sounds like a tough book to write. A positive motivational book uh, it, on it's death. Hard, it, it's hard. Yeah, I'm finding it harder to title than it is to write because I have so many different titles to come up with. Sure. Gone, Gone with the breeze is pretty close. I think. I just, just yeah. Gone with the breeze is pretty close. Just with the breeze, maybe something like that. It's, it gets. I feel like it does sort of get at what I feel like you're. What about trying to say? Dust in the wind. Hmm. All we are is dust in the wind. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that was my reaction Kansas. as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, you, you you ready for? You want me to bounce my current title off of you? Yes, yes. let's hear it. See what see what you think. You can criticize it or or acclaim it or whatever you want to do. Okay. Love great, die great. Love mm. great, die great. I like die great. I know that. I know that. Uh, uh, Sarita says, I digress quite a lot, so I digrate. <laughs> How about love well, die well? 
Mm. Instead of great. He likes the superlatives. He's got to look at the name of his book, Peak Performance. Oh. That's true. Gotcha. You got to remember the author. Yeah, Love Well, don't you think it's kind of middle of the road kind of stuff? Yeah. Yeah, kind of. No. Now, the, 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 most popular, the most popular book in the field is called Die Well. Or excuse me, wow. Dying Well. Dying Well, it's written. Yeah. It's written by a physician, and it's highly clinical. Hmm. Not recommended. No. <laughs> Sounds like a readership. snooze fest. <laughs> no, the ultimate no. snooze fest. <laughs> <laughs> well, in process, in the studying process for writing this, I, I read sixty of the uh, uh, best-selling death and dying books, which mm-hmm. are not that best-selling, by the way. <laughs> wow! And right. and and that's not recommended. It was probably the most depressing thing I've ever done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sleeping with the fishes. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, how about a slumber party? Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, so I would it, take so all of those what? books at Barnes and Noble and move them to a different shelf if it was called Slumber Party. <laughs> <laughs> and, just, and just know that I had rot destruction and move on with the <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, So anyway, that's... that's so I have three more books I'm working on currently and that, that I've been working on for maybe 20 years oh, wow. uh, or more uh, and collecting materials for them and, and so forth. And uh, I, I've been hesitating on writing them because they're, they're so difficult. Hmm. Like this one, you know, writing a positive motivational book on the ultimate downer topic, mm-hmm. death and die. And, and, uh, and the other ones are difficult too. Uh, and, and they go they go beyond the simplicity of uh, eschatological views, okay. and those are pretty mixed up anyway. So, Doctor Noe, where if our audience wants to learn more about you, can you tell us about your website and also where they can find uh, your books? And can you tell us about your website? Sure, it's the Prophecy Reformation Institute. Uh, we're pioneering the next Reformation. Uh, in Christianity or advocating that we pioneer the next reformation of Christianity. Uh, our premise is that the first reformation didn't go far enough. Mm. And that reformation is primarily an eschatological reformation in that each of the four major eschatological views has both strengths and weaknesses. And the solution that I'm advocating is to keep this, identify the strengths and weaknesses of, of the four major views and keep the strengths, synthesize the strengths, and discard the weaknesses. Hmm. That has never been done, Rick, in church history. No, as a matter of fact, I I was listening to uh, Kim Burgess and Gary DeMar, and they were talking about how even they are in agreement with you, I think, in regard to the Reformation. To look back, you know, if you look at the Westminster Confession of Faith, you, you don't see a lot, you know, of work you know, eschatology kind of took the back burner. And I think it's just, it's never really been fully studied, or at least that's an opinion, of course, of mine. There's plenty of people that believe that it's all settled, but I think mm-hmm. you're right. I think that there's, that's something that the church hasn't really fully done. No, not at all. Uh, in fact, in in 2000, or when my book, The Apocalypse Conspiracy, after my book, The Apocalypse Conspiracy came out, I was invited to uh, become a member of the Evangelical Theological Society, which is a closed society of conservative evangelical scholars. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, since, uh, and that was back in 93, 94 range. And I started presenting theological papers to their various regional and national meetings around the country and in Canada and other places where they held them. And uh, I think I presented my first paper in 94 and uh, I presented my, I was going to present my last paper uh, in 2020, but COVID came in and blocked it. Mm -hmm. But I've now presented over 19 theological papers. And during the early part of that, after I presented maybe five or six or seven, somewhere in that range, uh, I was advised that I ought to, uh, uh, well, see, I, I didn't have any theological degrees or any any theological education whatsoever. None, you know, other than self-taught, you know, that kind of stuff, which doesn't count for anything uh, in theological circles. Sure. So because my book, The Apocalypse, and, and John the Baptist would have had a really hard time in those theological circles, you know? Yeah. Wearing well, a, well, a lot of the books. ETS people are Baptist. Yeah. Well, yeah, a lot of them. Uh, because they're conservative evangelicals. Sure. And that's what that society is. But uh, uh, anyway, I, uh, uh, what was I going to tell you? Oh, uh, I was being advised by some that I needed to get some theological education. And uh, so I did. I explored some places and um, I was advised not to do it by a, a senior editor of uh, Christianity Today magazine who became my mentor for two years. And he was uh, dean of the School of Theology of Anderson University. And he said, don't do it. They'll ruin your writing style. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and besides that, he said, if, when, if you get into a doctoral program, you're, you are theirs. You have to do what they do. you got to jump through the hoops they put out. And if you don't, you, you are thrown out. Yeah. It's that, it's that tough. It's kind and of like so a, I'd, I'd, it's like a guitar player being taught by Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> you know, it's like you have this professional that's respected and they've done all of this work. And so if you're going to be taught by them, then they're going to expect you to sort of fall in line to follow suit. Uh, but to make a long story short, I finally got found one I got into. Uh, after the world continued to go on after Y2K, yeah. I decided I decided to think more long term about things. So I, I got in and got involved in one and met with the dean and told him my concerns about uh, my view. And I already knew what I was my, what my doctoral dissertation was going to be. And uh, that's the most uh, difficult uh, hurdle that most people face because they don't have any idea what their dissertation is going to be. And, and most of them never finish their doctoral program because they can't find a, a doctoral dissertation that is a contribution to knowledge. And it has to be a contribution to knowledge. It can't be a report on something. It has to be a contribution. And you got to prove that to your doctoral committee. It's pretty high and, bar. Uh, it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's high bar. Well, what I was advocating had never been done before in church history. And I had to prove that to my doctoral committee that never has there been a synthesis treatment of the four uh, divisive uh, eschatological views in church history. Mm -hmm. And I would be the, and I would be the first one to do that. If I could pull it off, my doctoral committee was comprised of three dispensational uh, professors. So, you know, rough crowd. Yeah. And, uh, and, it, and uh, so it, it, I'll, I'll just skip right forward. So after about two, two or three years, I finally completed it. And, um, 
and then went in for my uh, uh, verbal defense, oral defense. And uh, man, one, one of them just really got nasty. In fact, the uh, with me, and the uh, chairman, my chairman, had to correct him in, during the process. It was it was, it was amazing. But mm. they signed off on it, and 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 one of them said, "Don't ever associate my name with this this work." And I became a PhD, and that allowed me to uh, upgrade myself in the Evangelical Theological Society and. Uh, uh, it opened up, opened up some more doors uh, to pursue this. So my thesis was that each of, each of the four views, preterist, uh, dispensational, premillennial, postmillennial, and amillennial, each of them has strengths and weaknesses that can be identified by a test of Scripture. What does Scripture say and not say? That's simply, you know, properly translated. Mm-hmm. And uh, my the synthesis is discarding the the weaknesses and synthesizing the strengths into one coherent, consistent, and uh, and Christ uh, honoring, kingdom uh, authenticating uh, view that is more uh, true to Scripture than any one view in and of itself, including the preterist view, which really hogged off my preterist uh, companions. Yeah. So, and I understand that. So. So how did the reformed preterist idealist moniker for Bill Evans come about then? It's it, it, this, Well, Bill it, Evans has been influenced by what I just shared with you. Yeah, sounds like it, right? Now, he's he's still a work in progress. <laughs> <laughs> There's the understatement. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Don't tell him I said that. Oh, he'll oh, hear he it. Listens he listens. He listens. I hope he doesn't. I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, he does. We're all a work in progress. So yeah, we love Bill. Bill's yes, a great guy. We do. Yeah, absolutely, um, Doctor Noe. Before we close out this this interview, um, Billy Kimsey usually has a question for each one of our guests, and I'm really curious to hear your answer to this. Hey, how you doing, sir? Huh. Um, so I ask all our guests on here. So you're a you're a full plus pres preterist, right? Well, that's one way of phrasing it. Is okay. that your question? Well, no, 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 no. This this is my question. So this is all new to well, me. Well, so. well, well, let me let me respond a little bit more to that, and then you can go on. Okay. 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 I, I'm a preterist, idealist, postmillennial synthesis. Okay. That's and the acrostic for that is PIPS. <laughs> ah, got it. <laughs> okay. So here's you got my that? Yep, yep. Yep. So here's my question. So and, and and by the way, the preterist is I'm full preterist. Okay. Okay. So uh I'm, I I mean I'm a Jude 3, content earnestly content for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. That's full preterist. Mhm. But what happens after that? That's where you get into idealist. And and post mill, that's where you get into the kingdom. And most preterists don't have very little to say about those issues. Yeah. Well, most of the full preterists that I know are heavily concerned with the kingdom. You know that I've met. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I haven't met. No. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> Billy, what's your okay, question? Okay, so here's or, my. Or, or or they've been or they've been reading my stuff. Right. <laughs> all right. So here's my question. So when uh, when your body shuts down, uh, all your yeah. organs fail, and and that book that you're writing called Death that happens. Wh- where do you go? What what uh, what what happens? Well, you talking about me personally? You personally, yep. What What I do you go believe? To heaven. You go I to go heaven. To heaven. Right, right now, I, I get my I 
I get my judgment of loss or reward, i.e. 1 Corinthians 3, and my new spiritual body, 1 Corinthians 15, which, which has nothing to do with my old physical body that stays here on planet Earth and decays. Mm, very good. So, in other words, you would, yeah, so there's one of the uh, questions that was answered whenever that Ken Gentry asked, you know, to, to Gary DeMar. That's one of the big contentions is is there a physical bodily resurrection um and and, and in there was one world history there was one yes and jesus's and jesus's body is the only one that has been promised that was promised not to see decay that that promise is made to no one else that's correct the scripture is very clear about that you're absolutely right and uh uh before we go rick carter you had said something about the isle of patmos yes john Yes. Being that the world traveler you are, I've been keeping up with you for a couple years now through a good friend of yours, um, Lynn Hiles. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. He um, he did a his one of his early um, victorious seminars in eschatology, and he was using your material. Yes, he is. Yeah. So, so catching up through you and through your YouTube channel that you've since taken a break on, you talk about this um, wonderful event that you had with your wife, being that the world traveler you are. You had a nice trip to the island of Patmos. Yes. And something happened when you went there. Yes. And this it was a very cool event that happened. Can you talk about Yeah, what is what is what happened? I got to know what happened. Can you talk about to the to our listeners can hear again about this uh, wonderful little cool trip that you had to Island Patmos which most of us have never been to? Yes, yes. Hold on just a second here. Uh, <laughs> have you seen the uh YouTube video we did on S, the two of them? Oh, yeah. Yes. I have not. Okay. No. That's why I brought it up for everybody <laughs> here, at least, so the boroughs could hear this really cool event that happened. All right. Uh, well, we show that we have visuals and stuff like that to, to empathize. It's, now, the bad part our is— YouTube, Our for, YouTube channel is, is uh, John Noe at Greater Than We Believe. There's also so a face- Facebook. Greater Than We Believe. And this, and and uh, this, uh, these two videos on my what I call my Patmos experience are bit are videos number eight and number nine. And uh, here's a here's a description of them. In 2006, I traveled to the island of Patmos on a personal pilgrimage with the great with great expectations for a personal blessing and revelation. On the Lord's day, I actually stood inside the very cave where the glorified Jesus Christ appeared to John and gave him the book of Revelation. A lot happened and didn't happen, or so I thought at that time. And that video describes what happened. And then in the next video, uh, we go into what does it mean, my biblical analysis. I I say, upon returning to the United States six days later, my revelation and confirmations hit me like a lightning bolt out of the sky, but you be the judge. And those two videos lay all that out of what happened. And what happened, happened in the sky. I recommend those two videos to your attention. Both of them are about, about 30 minutes long. Very good. Well, to my listeners, if you go um, to his website, would you please repeat your website once again? It's the Prophecy Reformation Institute. ProphecyRefi.org, P-R-O-P-H-E-C-Y-R-E-F-I.org. Perfect. 
And if you are looking for, uh, you will see in our summary for this podcast, uh, I will have a link to his website there. Um, and I, I imagine you still have several books in print that they can get through. If they go uh, to the website, you can get the books, and there's a link to Amazon for all of the books. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Right there on his website. Unraveling the End Times is a pretty good one. Unraveling the End Times. I do have a question, because you guys said something about going to heaven without dying, but and you said Jesus. Not without dying. Oh, okay. So, no, uh, he I, died. I, I, miss, I just misheard what you guys were saying, because I'm thinking of... Elijah and Enoch, and I'm going. Wait a second. So there's 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 something in my brain saying something different. No, no, no. No, it's just... appointed unto man to die once, and then to place the judgment. That's correct. That's, that's applicable to all of us. That's exactly right. Well, Doctor John Jesus Bowie died. Yeah, he did, and he resurrected. Yep. Doctor John Noe, thank you so much for being on our program. I enjoyed it, gentlemen and lady. Oh, thank you. And ladies. Ladies. <laughs> you didn't oh, hear ladies. Cherry. You oh. didn't hear Cherry talk much. She doesn't talk. Come on, Cherry, say something. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't she nice? So nice. Yeah. But thank you so much for being on the program. And uh, I, uh, you know, as we continue to go through our studies, Doctor Noe, we'll probably reach out to you again in the future and talk to you about the uh, synthesis that you've been that you've worked on and and uh, try to learn more about that more in depth. Well, it's it's the basis for the next reformation of Christianity. Mm. It's a strong statement. Well, thank you again, and Billy, and Rick, yeah, and Ralph, Represent. and Andy, and Sarita, What's Cherry, up? and my dad. Nobody heard my dad. My dad's just hanging out in the studio with us today. You didn't Woo. hear him. He was about to fall asleep Triple because he Rick. doesn't get. He couldn't hear the guy talk, you know. But he was just sitting. Here. Oh, he could hear through him. Okay. Anyway, well, guys. We will talk to you again next time on the Burrows of Berea. Peace, Peace out. out. Jinx, Jinx, you owe me a soda. You owe me a Coke. <laughs> hey, guys. This is Rick from the Burrows of Berea. Do you know how much blood, sweat, and tears it takes to make a podcast? None. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't cost a lot. And so if you guys don't mind, if anybody would like to give to help us with these episodes, it would be great. We'll put out even more content. And if you go to our Patreon page, just search for the Burrows of Berea, you'll get extra notes, extra episodes, and it's pretty much free. A dollar gets you a lot. Thanks, guys.